0: Escape the Earth. the
1: Earth. Welcome to Escape the Earth. We are a sci-fi and fantasy podcast broadcasting from an undisclosed location within the San Antonio Public Library. We are supported by the library and by the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. So a big shout out to them. I'm Mary Elizabeth and my other crew members today are Alyssa. Hi everybody. And Tim. Cheerio. Today, we are going to be talking about Todd A. Thompson's Rosewater. Before we get into that, though, we just want to warn everyone about a couple of things. First, there will be spoilers. We go into this assuming you have read the book, and so we aren't going to tiptoe around anything. If you haven't read the book, hit that pause button, go read it, and come back to us. Part of our goal is to encourage people to read the books, and we truly believe you'll get more out of the discussion if you've read the book. Second, This is geared towards adults. We're not potty mouths or anything, but sometimes the subject matter will not be for youngling ears.
2: And I'm Tim, and I'm going to give you a little background on today's author, who is Todd A. Thompson. We're going to be talking about his book, Rosewater. And this is just straight off of his Wikipedia page. Thompson was born in London to Yoruba parents. His family left the United Kingdom for Nigeria in 1976. When Thompson was seven years old, he grew up in Nigeria where he studied medicine and social anthropology. He went on to specialize in psychiatry. He returned to the UK in 1998 where he has remained except for a year spent working in Samoa. He now lives on the south coast of England. His novels and short stories have been critically well received. Thompson is a NOMO award And Kitschke's Golden Tentacle Award winner. He is a John W. Campbell Award finalist, as well as nominated for the Shirley Jackson Award, the British Science Fiction Award, and the NOMO Award. Thompson is also an illustrator and artist. His novella The Murders of Molly Southbourne have been optioned for a screen adaptation. His novel, Rosewater, the first book in the Wormwood Trilogy, set in Nigeria, won the Arthur C. Clarke Award in 2019. And Alyssa is up next.
0: Thanks, Tim. So I have our synopsis of the book, and this synopsis is taken directly from the book jacket. Rosewater is a town on the edge, a community formed around the edges of a mysterious biodome. Its residents comprise the hopeful, the hungry, and the helpless. People eager for a glimpse inside the dome or a taste of its rumored healing powers. Caro is a government agent with a criminal past. A sensitive, he can navigate the massive psychic space created by the dome. But when something within the dome begins killing other sensitives, Caro must defy his masters to avert a horrifying future.
2: Dun dun dun. We talked a little bit about how the fungus is really among us these days. Because when we first started talking about this, I likened it to Mexican Gothic by Celia Moreno-Garcia, in which it's sort of evil mushrooms controlling a murderous family and a house, basically creating a haunted house with mushrooms. I don't know. I'm not explaining that very well, but you get the idea that the mushrooms control the environment and all the people in the environment become infected with the fungus from the mushrooms and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then we have the last of us, which is very similar to this uh, in some ways. And did either of you get to watch any of the last of us?
0: Halfway through the last of us and enjoying it immensely. And and it does. It has that my-
2: mycology, mycology. Yeah.
0: Thank you. It's like mycological <laughs> mycology aspect as well in The Last of Us, and it's interesting. I live with someone who's uh, played through the entire game and loved it, and um, we're, we're watching the series together. And it's a little bit different. And it's mycological approach, I guess. In the uh, in the TV series, the it's a fungus that spreads kind of mushroom tendrils through a bite. But in the original game, it was spores that were releasing from the cordyceps and infecting everybody. So that's a little bit of a change that they made, and uh, mm. I wondered why when went looking to find out what it was. But I guess in the game, when you're running around and you're out where the spores are, your character automatically like puts on a gas mask, and they didn't want that to interrupt like the actor's facial expressions in the show, so they shifted a little bit. Mm. But that's one TV show that's doing a mycology deal. And then the other one that I've watched is uh, Star Trek Discovery, where they have the spore drive. So they actually travel through space on the mycology. Think of that word.
2: Mycological?
0: Oh, there's another word for it. Um, mycelial. <laughs> mycelial. Oh, good word. <laughs> yes. They travel, the, they travel through space on the mycelial network in Star Trek Discovery.
2: Which is pretty uh, awesome. That's how
0: they can they do black alert and they jump through space instead of using the warp drive.
2: So I made it through Last of Us uh, last night. We got to the episode where they reach Kansas City, Ellie and Joel, and uh, they lose Bill's truck, and uh, end up uh, getting a shootout with three other people, and and then at the end of the episode they are being held at gunpoint by somebody
1: which is weird superhero kids i'm so excited to find out what's going on I'm at that same episode <laughs> i i unfortunately have not started um blast of us it is something that so in the zeitgeist i'm like well i guess i need to at some point <laughs> watch at least one episode of this um yeah it's just the way of life right now <laughs> we're trying to fit in certain things <laughs> I just heard the viewership
0: on that surpassed house of the dragon on last of us word of mouth. It's really getting around
2: as a good series. The, the premise of the last of us is that because fungus generally can't live above a certain temperature. And when you factor in global warming, the fungus are evolving to, to live at higher temperatures. And that's how it's inhabiting and taking over human bodies. We just, my wife ran across a news article yesterday that talks about this fungus called Candida auris, and it's multiple drug resistant. They're having outbreaks, and this is all according to the CDC, not me. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary. It's so it, it's very much uh, being spurred by the same process like it's living at warmer temperatures and so I just thought you guys would find that interesting and scary at the same time
1: yes I, I, so I have a good day everybody. everybody Right. <laughs> I briefly heard about this yesterday I was like what <laughs> you, you've expounded upon it a little bit more than I knew before so oh yes wonderful news
0: <laughs> yes my question is will it make us psychic
1: <laughs> I do really like that aspect of this book where it's it's not as insidious as upfront at all cuz it's giving these people these sensitive powers where they're able to connect to the xenosphere and it's uh and it seems really interesting and intriguing it's and also the way they the world is described about nimbus seems sort of the same way where the internet is in this cloud where people hook into with implants in their ears and, uh, and stuff. And so, yeah, it's like, well, maybe I want spores on me <laughs> so I can connect to the Zenosphere also.
2: <laughs> so that was a beautiful segue back to today's topic, Alyssa. So thank you for that. And um, What was your initial pre- impression of the book?
0: I do not love this book. I do not love the main character. I I find him uh not very likable. But I think the the different things that this author explores are are very interesting, very worthy of conversation. There's and and there's just lots of it. And he throws some of it in there just kind of like poop, just a little thing here that he never touches in, in terms of world building, and you could spend hours talking about like just some of the little things like Mary Elizabeth just touched on the implants the nimbus things that he never really they're not central to the book at all they're just color that are fascinating in and of themselves and then of course you have the main things that we're talking about in the book with the alien invasion and the alien is fungal mycelial spreading to all humans infecting the entire earth and giving everybody well not everybody giving some people psychic powers and then how society evolves when some people are able to read the thoughts of other people like the, the whole bank thing where when we oh, start yeah. out and he's you know defending people's his caro's day job is defending people's personal information from other sensitive so that the bank can maintain their integrity yeah just layers, <laughs> like, and layers he, of things
1: they are human firewalls they they put up a a net around the bank in a way with their minds him and other sensitives that's very fascinating yeah I agree with you that Caro is not likable <laughs> he's, he's Not even, I mean there was a really great um towards the end of the book the professor that he's he's that's his mentor and there's this um he goes he gets
2: more guidance
1: yeah he gets more guidance from him and the professor tells him and i think this might be the author talking to us because maybe he sensed that caro is a jerk (laughs) he had to have known how caro was terrible he goes for one thing you're not the type because he uh, referencing how can he help the people who he needs to help he goes second i'm tired Of women and men of destiny. The idea of a singular hero and a manifest destiny just makes us all lazy. There is no destiny, there is choice, there is action, and any other narrative perpetuates a myth that someone else out there will fix our problems with a magic sword and a blessing from the gods. So I feel like that has to be kind of a justification for Caro being like, oh, well, he's not my hero. He's a terrible guy. He's misogynistic and he's selfish. <laughs> and he won't even help the dog uh, till the end of the book. <laughs> There's this dog that's just randomly follows him every now and then and is injured. And he just ignores it for so long. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's not a likable character, but this world is fascinating. And I will follow along this character because of the people he he interacts with. Like... Yay, his, the, his girlfriend's brother and and the actual creature that is the dome and that's personified as this anthony character it's just yeah i want to see the world he's in but i don't necessarily want to sit on that guy's shoulder
2: <laughs> so let's talk about him because do you think he's a reliable voice a reliable narrator
1: no because he lies <laughs> he lies even to us like uh or he lies by withholding information like who his father is who his father ends up being this wealthy hugely influential man um he's a thief he he's very self-preserve uh, his self-preservation is comes out way stronger than his need to help others sometimes um like yes I can uh, explain some of his youthful transactions and discretions as him being young and wanting to rebel against his father but at a certain point it's like come on guy come on
2: (laughs) I would argue that he is very upfront about all that very early in the book he tells you like I can handle fighting one reanimate but generally when it comes to physical violence I'm pretty much a coward I run away and he's also very, very upfront about, about his uh, stealing and his sense of self-preservation. Like, you know, he, he fully admits, like, when his mom catches him cutting open the hem of her dress to steal the money that she's hidden, and she calls the cops on him, and he runs, and he just lets his girlfriend get taken over by like he doesn't do anything to stop that from happening he
1: really doesn't oh and they
2: (laughs) and they burn her alive and Um. and he's very upfront that you know like my my mom thought that maybe if they got her that it would cause me to turn around but i was too concerned about my own skin and and so i don't i don't know that he's much of a liar and then the other thing um I would ask is throughout the course of the story, do you see him grow at all?
1: I think he's able to realize that he is part of this society, at least through Amanat, because he wants to build a relationship and a future with her. So I think uh, his relationship with her might make him grow. Oh, wait, no. He also really likes Bola, one of his friends, and he cares about her and he tries to save her. <laughs> so I think there is some personal growth, like when, when she ends up passing and, oh, when he puts that one person into, no, he doesn't put the person into a coma. They are in a coma and he puts them in a, like a mind trap where they are constantly being tortured by, by their own mind. I think it's Aminat's husband. And, um, and then he does find remorse. Later on, uh, and he tries to well, he tries to save him. He tries to undo what he did. I completely disagree.
0: <laughs> I do not think that he. I do think that he's reliable. I do think that he has a. He's good at uh, good at looking at himself and reflecting that in the book. He's a good estimator of himself and his abilities. I agree with that, but I don't think that he grows at all. He is consistently selfish. And he randomly does good things consistently throughout the book, like he and he is always ruled by his lusts and his appetites as um, like his sexual nature and his um, his being a finder. The author talks about how when he's a finder looking for something is gives him such pleasure that it's akin to sexual pleasure. And he I think he is consistently ruled by his appetites throughout the book. But he also does like a smattering of good things, like taking care of the dog at the end. And then the the random good thing that actually sets him up really well throughout the book is that for some reason, randomly, he takes a bullet for Anthony. And because he takes a bullet for the alien, Anthony, who is uh, the alien Wormwood, who's coming from another planet to like seed Earth and take it over so that his whole species can survive on another planet. He's called a, they call him a, a footholder. But that, that whole reason, that's the whole reason that he wants to even help preserve Caro, like when all the sensitives are being killed by a rival alien <laughs> that shows up as
1: Molara in the Xenosphere that he ends up having all kinds of sexual liaisons with. I do think, though, that that was still so selfishly motivated. He even, even himself thinks it was because he wanted, he knew how much bicycle girl. Oyenda, how much she cared for, or already was in, enamored by Anthony, and how how he could help the world. So his wanting to save Anthony at that moment was mo- probably motivated by Oyenda's feelings towards towards him I feel like there is growth in him but I mean it is it is so it is a selfless act to try even if it's trying to get into the pants of a woman (laughs) that's what I'm talking about he's always ultimately selfish I think he goes through that uh, one journey where he meets Ryan Miller and I think Ryan Miller puts a mirror before his eyes and and makes him like relive certain aspects of his life and that's where I think some growth might happen where because it's after that after he is confronted by the um uh, murder again <laughs> and and I think there is some growth in that Ryan after that Ryan Miller um, interaction um, and that's where I also feel like he had been lying more to himself the Miami- character Ryan I Miller, is Ryan it, it was when he was in the Xenosphere, it was after Bola had died, and he went to go kind of, I think, look for her in the Xenosphere, and he encounters this spirit that has been living in the Xenosphere um, since, oh, for a while, I can't quite remember for how long.
2: So do you remember when he was oh. young, and they had that gathering yes, of all go. the sensitives to go to that funeral? And they said that the one who inhabited that body is gone now, but if you ever see him in the Xenosphere Xenosphere, fear him be afraid. I think that was referencing Ryan Miller
0: I believe so he who is he later who does he's implying that he goes into somebody later
2: he he's just living in the Xenosphere he's living on like Molara tells tells Caro that like once I take you and kill you. You're welcome to live here because I kind of like you and you can have whatever life you want here. Um, oh, that's right. Okay. I think Riot Miller is sort of a similar entity there. I think there are two moments of growth, though. Um, and I just want to touch on one thing. With So I look back at the history of Nigeria preparing for this. And Nigeria is Africa's most populous country i think it has the biggest economy but the poverty level is about 50% there like it's between 40 and 50% if i'm not mistaken and they have something like 500 different languages are spoken in nigeria high levels of corruption with the police and of course it's also a former colony. Um, and so throughout the book, I think you have a lot of references to this colonization and a lot of references to also the public corruption. Like there's no, nobody who's really sure who's on whose side. And I think he does a great job of, of portraying that Um, But I think Caro's, when Caro is acting out, I think a lot of that is a front. I don't think that's the way he he really is. It starts out that way, but I think he changes. And I think one of the things that changes him is when he meets Nikkei, or maybe you pronounce it Nike. But remember that whole scene with Nikkei? Yeah, yeah. after he spends three days locked in a room with this older sensitive who's a former prostitute and she basically links with him she's she's telling him he meets her in a nightclub and she's making all the men in the nightclub think that she's young and beautiful still when really she's she's older and sort of haggard and caro can see through that and he leaves with her and offers to take her home and she tries to talk some sense into him and he's basically like whatever old lady i'm gonna drop you off at home and i'm going back to the club to to find a woman and uh, she takes him into her her residence and basically connects to his mind and she dumps all of her life memories into him and he can feel Everything that she's gone through, every indignity, every bit of pain. And at the end of which, this is what leads to him meeting Klaus. Um, Klaus, who is sort of this American criminal or English criminal who's living in the, in the house and has employed Nikkei. Uh, he asks Caro how, how he's feeling. And Caro says, do you feel okay? And Caro says, not really. I feel fucked up. She stole my youth. What do you mean? I mean, I can see the futility of it all. Repetitive alcohol intoxication, repetitive going to clubs, dancing, picking up girls, fuck, spend money, repeat cycle. It's all meaningless.
0: All right. I'll give you that. (laughs) I'll give you that for sure. That's true.
2: I think uh, I think that's really start of a change for him, and I and I would argue also, despite how he is with Femi, he really cares for Femi. I think oh, yeah. he cares for and trusts Femi, even though he's like hostile to her at times. They it's, they, it's, they have a strange relationship.
1: It's that type of hostility where, like a little boy will pull a girl's hair because he likes her type of hostility (laughs) like that where it's like he's picking at her because he likes to to get a rise out of her because he likes her
2: (laughs) yeah he kisses her at one point and she needs him in in the uh in the special place and he falls to the ground and says (laughs) it was totally worth it
1: yeah (laughs) he's he's such a jerk
2: (laughs) so and going back to you know talking about Colonization. Another theory thing that comes up a lot is is this idea of rape. Um, and so, Nikkei, uh that's very much a rape scene, kind of. She forced mm-hmm. that rape into of the mind.
1: Him. Yeah, yeah, that really is.
2: And I watched an interview with Tade, and he talked about that a little bit, like. You know, that was to make men understand like what women go through because men in Nigeria don't understand that until it happens to them in some way. I think, well, maybe not men in Nigeria, maybe men everywhere. <laughs> and the idea of colonization. That's what the aliens doing, colonizing. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: I'm looking uh, for this scene and I can't find it, but there's this the scene where um Oyinda- they're, they're talking with the representative. So it's it's Femi Alala Gomeji and Caro, and she's brought in this British representative and Oyin Da, and they're having a conversation about who should, you know, how they should treat with wormwood. And Oyin is like, it shouldn't be you, British guy. <laughs> it should be us. We know what it's like to be, to have been colonized. We know how to deal with alien invaders coming to our soil and trying to transform us, I thought that was a powerful moment in the
2: book.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a really great moment. I agree.
2: And so, really, what do you what do you make of the character of Femi?
0: Gosh, she had a lot handed to her. She was just she was an operative, in, and what is it, Section Forty Five? And then all of a sudden there was that accident back in, what was it, 2055 or 2040 something, 45, at the at the Wormwood Dome, the one that's in Nigeria near Rosewater. As the colony was starting to develop, there was a big accident and it blew up everybody that was over her, everybody that was in her entire organization that was further up the chain than her. And she became in charge of everything all at once in one fell swoop. Right, so she got kind of everything just dumped on her at that point in time. And I think she made
1: the best of what she could in that respect. I think she was self motivated by self preservation in a similar way that Caro is, but not in as drastically selfish way <laughs> as Caro is. Like like the whole thing with her husband, who they she and he eventually grew out of love with each other, but stayed together. And then he turns against them by becoming um, in not an insurgent. I can't remember what what he was, but, uh, you know, somebody who wants to throw over the government basically. And um, she uses his death as a way to find true sensitives, people to to like find his body for me <laughs> type thing. Like, all right, he's dead, but let's find a way to get people to help me <laughs> by using his death. Um, yeah, she totally takes advantage of being handed the baton of running this 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 agency and um I wish to, I wish we could have known a little bit more about her but you know, and maybe that comes in the later books cuz this is the first in the trilogy and I think she's might be int- int- integral integral oh my gosh. <laughs> integral <laughs> to the future story. Also, Aminat, We don't know very much about her. What we thought we knew about her, but then all of a sudden, we come to find out that there's more to her than we knew. As well, also, geez.
0: Before we get to Aminat, I want to hear Tim what you think of. Fanny.
1: Oh yeah.
2: What what I think of Femi? I don't know what to make of her. I I don't know. Like, I understand her relationship with her with her husband and like how they they drifted apart. You know, he, he didn't have very much talent, but he had had some connections. And then when she took over, he started pressing to get a higher level of responsibility that she felt he couldn't handle. And then, you know, ultimately it was discovered that he was trying to overthrow things and that led to him being basically shot with a bunch of other people and buried in a mass grave. You know, Caro sort of plays on that. Well, you're, you're cold-blooded. You just you used me as a test to, to find where your dead husband is, and you didn't even care really about your dead husband. And she seems kind of hurt at that moment. I mean, and Caro actually feels regret about having said it and, and tries to back it up you know, roll it back. But I I really don't know what to make of Femi, but he does trust her enough to where when he's in trouble, he feels like he can go to her and get some answers and, and she does supply him with some with some necessary data. And that does help bring about a better understanding of what's of what's going on, a more full understanding. The aliens intentions are not as benevolent as he thought they were, um, the the intentions are really to get rid of all these sensitives and then slowly get rid of all the people too. Um, this very slow moving coup or slow colonization. Takeover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to play a computer game, uh, Pandemic, and. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a board game by the same name, which is extremely difficult to play. It's a cooperative game, so you play with other players on your team against the game. Uh, but the original game was just on a computer, and you could design this virus. And I would always design something that had like very low symptoms at the beginning, because then it could spread um, without people paying much attention to it, and this really reminded me of that, like w- when I was trying to play that game. You're trying to wipe out the Earth in the in the game, basically, and uh, yeah, that that was the same strategy I took. Then I never succeeded. But what happened to motherfucking dad Laddie?
0: <laughs> that character has a great name <laughs> really <does. laughs> that detail is just so fun yeah and the was... fact that they're like don't tell him don't don't mention he doesn't know that we call him that
1: <laughs> it's a great way to really bring us into the story really dive us into this or like cement us into this world just having an inside joke with the character is really <laughs>
2: yeah uh, i actually enjoyed the book and i feel like starts out as a as a as a horrible person and i do feel like he grows and i feel like there are two points of growth when when nike basically dumps her her whole being into his mind and the second being when ryan miller takes him on his uh ebenezer scrooge like journey through yeah through all of his previous misdeeds being close to death can sometimes change your worldview too i think but what did you guys think about the way thompson chose to arrange the story because it's not at all sequential
1: um i i think it left breadcrumbs that kept me wanting to know what was going on so it it engaged me. It engaged me in wanting to keep reading the story. Cause there was a, there was, it was hard for me to, to keep going with it at the beginning. I put it down several times and was like, oh gosh, yeah. Wait, wait, I had to start over several times. because I, It just flew out of my head what was going on. But I think, and then at one point they dropped when America went dark and then that was it. And <laughs> it kept going and it was just, But wait, what happened to America? (laughs) So, so, um, yeah, the the timeline jumps. And thankfully, they weren't too far back into the past. It was still pertinent to the story now. So I thought it was a very nice way to, to tell the story and keep me engaged.
2: You keep hearing rumors that Americans are showing up and nobody seems to know if they're true or where they are. And that turns out to be what the uh, the person that Caro has been interrogating for S forty five knows that the that the Americans have found a way to inoculate themselves against the alien or to uh, to keep the alien from infecting them. I just have to think: is this the America I know?
1: Right, <laughs> I don't think.
0: He makes a reference to a former president and a former president's policies in the book, which yes. were quite isolationist. Yes. And I don't know that we have fully recovered. I think that right now, America is fairly self focused, especially when you kind of look at some of our history at the beginning of the 19th century and what we were doing in World Wars, and, you know, really for a good chunk of the 1900s i think that we're in a much more self involved place than we've been during those periods
1: i agree so Others.
0: i can see that happening i could see us being like oh you know, alien invasion we're going to protect ours and you know too bad i do Go kind of ground. wonder
1: uh for i, I do kind of because at some point we do get a glimpse of what's happening in america when when Caro is able to interrogate a couple of Americans that came over, and I wonder if a different alien has taken over America because it they, it just seems so um like they talk about clean streets and there's curfews and all this other stuff, but it just seems and the way that their memories were wiped, I don't know. It just seems like maybe America got colonized already and and that alien is choosing to enclose over there in that, in that spot of the world. Or maybe they struck a bargain with the alien. Maybe, maybe.
0: I don't know. I do think it's going to get talked about in the next couple of books, kind of uh, based on reading their summaries. I do think they're going to get into the
2: America and what's happening in the U.S. So let's talk about Molara and Anthony a little bit. Molara, you really only meet in the Xenosphere in Caro's mind, but Molara apparently has visited every sensitive pre- just before they became sick, and she seems to be gaining power as they wane. Would that be right? I don't know about the gaining
0: power. I do think that she was visiting every single sensitive and killing them using their she kind of appealed to like in caro's case she appealed to his lust and his base appetite and then um bola his friend bola molara killed bola went by presenting as her, her ex- husband or her yeah, using or, her grief. Her yeah, yeah
1: her her dead husband right not her ex-husband yeah, yeah. go to the weaknesses she the grief the fear of the clement uh the licentiousness of <laughs> of caro <laughs> yeah
0: right. she she was like these sensitives are no longer necessary i think anthony was using them as a foothold to kind of get you know to get humans under control and she's a what she's a not in his faction she's a different faction of these alien beings and she's like we're done with humans piece
2: but anthony is also like that and he but he's easily able to get rid of her he calls her an insignificant bug and kind of pulls her out and flicks her away
1: i wonder if she only really exists in in like the spores quote unquote of the of what's being sent out and not really as a as a huge entity that anthony is you know how, how that He's really just a personification to the world for the humans to interact with, whereas the real alien is lives underground (laughs) and moves around somehow. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Was she like a uh, like a subroutine, maybe or something? Maybe did it say something about that? About yeah, Yeah. like Like she's like a program or a code. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot to dive into. (laughs) There's
0: so many details in this book; it's nuts. It's really
2: hard I, to remember everything i mean that's why i was surprised that that you said it didn't you didn't like it but uh it, it's your your dislike is mainly driven by the character of caro but but the book itself and the the plot I mean, carlo caro is made deliberately unlikable so does he fit the concept of an anti-hero
1: I think he's just representing any person who could step into the role of being awakened to information and how do you what do you do with this information maybe
0: I don't think he has enough force to be an anti-hero Mary Elizabeth I think you hit the nail on the head when you read that passage about there are no heroes just ordinary people and he's just telling, I think the author is telling the story of this. I mean, he's not ordinary, but he's, right. he's also just... not a superhero. He's not a savior.
1: No, but I don't no. think
0: he has the force of an anti-hero. No. He's either. not a leader of men. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a superhero story. I'm, I'm much more curious, you know, when, when they talk about Aminat and they say, oh, well, Aminat has her own story. <laughs> Well, what's yeah. Amanat's story? Is that too? There's
1: do? they even say you're not the main character of her story. <laughs> she has right. her own story. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was really great. I should have marked that one in too. <laughs> I mean, if anything, Lei, Amanat's brother, fits more of the idea of a superhero. He's kind, he's beautiful, he has all these wonderful powers. <laughs> He, can he fly. burns the house he down can in the middle of the night. He burn the house down and not kill anybody, <laughs> like a phoenix. He sets himself aflame and flies through the night. Even Caro loves him. <laughs> it's so hard to to have any kindness in his heart. He loves. He, he wants to help this boy.
2: I do want, like, one more thing about Caro because I know we keep we spend a lot of time on him, but he does at one point talk about. What you think of as yourself is actually many things. At the core is your true self, of which you may not even be fully aware. And wrapped around this are several false selves that are used at different times in different situations, social selves that serve the function of translating your true self to the world. We swap between these effortlessly as we grow up, but they are elaborate fictions, or they are real but alternative selves. It depends on where you stand epistemologically, but it's irrelevant. What's relevant is that when I look into someone, I see these shifting cells as blurred boundaries of the mental image. Malara's boundaries are too distinct. I was looking for sensitives and Malara showed up. This idea of people being wrapped up as onions, that's why I think that his his licentiousness is partially a front. I think he's in love with Femi, but I don't think he can have Femi I
1: yeah I think I think yeah, I could agree with you on that like uh I, he knows she's out of his league because she's already need him in the balls. <laughs>
0: she's also described as very beautiful, so maybe she's just too pretty for him.
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's just, many people describe her, many different characters describe her as beautiful.
2: You know, if you could sum up the plot of the book, I think it it, it does fit very well in that first uh, little bit that you read, Mary Elizabeth, where you were talking about the idea of the singular hero and manifest destiny making us all lazy. And it's harder to stop a problem that you perceive as being many years down the road or tomorrow's problem. If we think about like the the three body problem, like they know the aliens are coming, but it's 450 years away. So humanity's got some time to plan. Uh, This one, the aliens already here and they've slowly been gaining footholds. And so now the sense is eventually we're all going to be weeded out so do we really have to do anything or do we just let it happen it's like climate change yeah you know? it, yes and they something... mentioned climate
1: change a couple of times and can the aliens fix the climate which is interesting like we we have the power to fix it ourselves but we would rather uh what if an alien can just take care of it for us <laughs> if only we were the borg
0: <laughs> well i don't know if y'all have seen picard but in picard season two there's a they talk about how um there's some time travel, and I won't spoil it if people haven't seen it, but um, there's some time travel at one point where they're back in 400 years in the past, and there's a Borg Queen, and the Borg Queen's like, we'll be good, we got 400 years to fix this before we meet you again in the future, <laughs> to solve this unsolvable problem of their demise.
2: Where do you think it goes from here? Oyanda is still, and the uh, Lijon, what was it? The, the hidden Lihad. village. The Lijad. The the Lijad. Oyendan, the Lijad. The, the village the, inside
0: the dome, the movement inside the dome, because she kind of leads a a rebellious movement, a rebellious against the Nigerian government. They're they're after her, but she's a her movement itself is some movement of, of peace and people working together,
1: collaboration.
2: Right. But is she with Anthony? or is she against Anthony at the end there?
1: Oh, I think she's still with them. I think it's going to be a matter of picking the right uh alien to let ov- be your overlord. <laughs> I- I'm not sure. Yeah, I- yeah, I'm, I'm just not, not sure.
0: Not sure. <laughs> I mean, I've looked I looked a little bit at some of the synopsis for book 2 and book 3, so I do know that they fight the aliens, that humanity fights the aliens. They resist, but I don't know how. And I know that the United States gets brought into it and that there's some kind of global fighting off of this uh, this invader, but I don't know. I, I don't really have any thoughts about how that might unfold. I keep hoping it'll come from a different character's point of view. But I mean, <laughs> I do think in this discussion, like both of you have raised really good points about uh, about Caro that have, that are making me rethink my initial impressions.
2: I know how it how it works out they're gonna fly the alien craft up to the mothership and then they're gonna upload a computer (laughs) virus that will bring down the defenses of all the other alien fungi
1: (laughs) will it be will it will it happen on the fourth of July
2: (laughs) quite possibly Uh, i i am curious to read the next book actually
1: yeah i it it is this world is intriguing tade thompson really does know how to world build this was yeah really really deep and i'm what how does nimbus work (laughs) it's just the cloud It's literally the cloud, right? (laughs) But it's like. I mean, I thought it was another ear. I thought it was a clever
0: name for the cloud because Nimbus is a type of cloud. Yeah, and it's supposed to
1: be. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like you know, it's the evolution of the internet, and it's in the cloud, and we're just now it's Nimbus (laughs) Internet 2.0.
2: I mean, it's going to be the always connected world, Uh, and you know, you start to see this in a lot of science fiction where implants and things like that are are really rising to uh becoming a common theme um, of the genre
0: some of that science now mm -hmm. those things are available they're happening now
2: yeah it's it's coming about we'll we get to see more maybe they can just you know, replace all our teeth with little porcelain things with microprocessors in there, and little they can put a little mini <laughs> Faraday cage in your uh, over your skull plate.
1: And... Uh, there are people that have have inserted chips inside their hands now, like in the world now that like it's like a chip, and you can like use it to unlock your door, um, to. Unlock to drive your car, like to to release that, and it's very weird. And I wouldn't want to do that.
0: <laughs> Microchipping, yeah, I've I've heard about that. It was reading about a a resort where you could might you you would like just for the resort you had a microchip and it would do all your transactions for you. I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Your transactions, your your mm-hmm. put your wallet in your hand. <laughs> yeah, so you don't have to wear a wristband when you go for that. You know,
0: all inclusive resort. <laughs> You could just keep transacting and doing whatever you want. So like in your bathing suit. Yeah,
2: yeah. You,
1: you wouldn't carry lose it. your wallet. <laughs> but then I don't know. What if somebody well, not that my house is coveted by thieves, but like some of the more like wealthy people, what if they just cut their hand off? <laughs> so my mind goes that way. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: actually i i thought that like when she first said it so that was the first thing that popped in my head somebody would cut your hand off
1: (laughs) watched too many (laughs) maybe i watched demolition man too many times
0: (laughs) Uh, they're gonna cut it out of you
1: that was interesting
0: because everybody had their their like implants too in this story and they talked about you know carl's i'm being tracked tracked by my implant i only have so long you know before the the government agency catches up with me right in the end when he's running. And it's like, they talk about how he can't, he can't cut the chip out, but then they go to this really interesting person. I can't remember his name, but he's part of some kind of like celestial church, but they're also hackers. I'm like, can we talk about that, please? <laughs> Not, I want more <laughs> of that. I want that whole story. Can you just tell me about those people? Cause that's like, he he talks a lot about religion in this book, just, just in passing, what people will believe, conspiracy theory. There's so many just things that he just throws in there, like little bites. Like, Please tell me more about this very rich world that you're creating.
2: It does add another level of depth to things, doesn't it? I mean, it makes the world much more real to me. Um, but that was interesting. But they didn't cut his chip out of him. They just down, moved everything to uh, to like a flash drive or something. Right, they they moved right, it to right. a flash drive yeah. and he mailed it to himself.
1: Oh, right. oh yes,
0: yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. The data, the data that he got from Femi mm-hmm. about himself.
2: Yeah, but that was interesting, and there's a whole uh, religion bit based around Lay's parentage as well. Like supposedly they're. There's a rumor like Aminat knows one side of the rumor and Lei knows another that he hasn't shared. He shares it with Karo, but he doesn't share it with his sister, which doesn't make sense. But, um, you know, Lei's mother swears that. She was bedded by an angel, and that was what led to Lei. Lay Le tells Caro, "No, I'm my father's son. I'm a not sh- and I share the same parentage. But he's he's just infected with the xenophores, just like just like Caro is. They just manifest differently for him. There is a little hint in there that Caro could actually create his own fire too if he wanted. Oh, to.
1: right, yeah." it's just on how he can control the xenoforms that he has. Yeah.
2: So I wonder if that will come to fruition as well. Right. I think there's a lot of little nuggets there. Who blew there's, up yeah. Omnent's office? Yeah. What happened so to much. America? I don't know how you couldn't be curious.
1: <laughs> no, I was, yeah, this this I'm absolutely intrigued. I would be interested in and reading the next book, too. <laughs> it's
0: great to talk about. Very mm-hmm. interesting to talk
2: about.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What else does Tade have in store for his readers?
2: <laughs> I think we've covered a lot. I think it was a good discussion. Do you guys have anything you want to add?
0: Would you recommend this book, too?
2: Ah, <laughs> gosh. That is, a, that is a tough question. But I think anybody who like science fiction would like this if you're looking for a bit of a different voice, you know, Uh, again, it's, it's very well done. The world is very real. Yeah. He doesn't forget to incorporate, you know, smells, religion, the way things feel. Um, It's very well done.
1: Describes food in here.
2: Mm -hmm. Always like to
1: have that description in there. I like that it's not set in America. It's not set in the UK. It's a different, it's a different point of view of how to look at the world.
2: So I'd recommend it to anybody who likes science fiction. What about you? Who would you recommend it to, Alyssa?
1: I completely
0: agree with you that it's this one is for sci. This is for hardcore sci-fi fans, for sure. Anybody who's interested in that mycelial angle, reading more about how spores or fungi if they came off last of us and we're like oh, i want something kind of similar or you know i'm intrigued by fungal mycelial network kinds of stuff i definitely point them in the direction of this book or if they're looking for afrofuturism definitely. and again okay.
2: once again it was the aliens. It's always <laughs> the aliens so anyway thank you for listening if you have enjoyed this episode or other episodes we've done please remember to give us a good rating. You can view our book list, our reviews, and suggested reads on our Goodreads page, as well as on our LibGuide. Do you know the address for the LibGuide, Alyssa?
0: You can find our LibGuide at guides.mysapl.org E-T-E for Escape the Urb.
2: Remember that every book that we discuss is available for checkout at the San Antonio Public Library. You can write us with stories, suggestions, random thoughts, interesting sci-fi and geek culture information at sappleescapetheearth at gmail.com. Join us next month for our discussion of The Wind-Up Girl by Paolo Bacigalupi.
0: Thanks, everybody. Bye. Escape the Escape